Hello, it's Dr. Jen from The V Word, and today we are starting part two of our episode on donor-conceived individuals. If you didn't catch the first part, now's a really great time to go back and listen. You don't want to miss the beginning of this woman's story. We heard from a woman who decades into her life found out that the man she thought was her father was not actually her biological father. And in part two, we're going to explore a little bit more about how she essentially came out to her father about knowing that he didn't know that she knew and what all happened with her and her family's relationship after that. Stay tuned. This is a really great episode, really great story, and I think something that we're going to be talking a lot more about as more and more of us start to explore what our DNA and genetics really means through companies like 23andMe, Ancestry, and the like. Yeah, so, um, um, but yeah, so like after I got back, after finding out everything, like, um, you know, got back, uh, found a new therapist <laughs> and kind of started dealing with all of that. And that was also like when, um, I, I, I'm trying, it's hard for me to remember. It was all such a blur because at the same time I'm working, it was kind of like everything was changed and nothing was different at the same time. It was very weird. It was like, um, because life just keeps going, life marches on. It was like I was working and, you know, I, um, over that summer, like I moved in with my boyfriend and a lot of big changes were going on at that point in time. And so, but yeah, after I went to Tennessee and, um, you know, met up with some friends and told them my story, uh, that's when, um, it was both after that, that more than one person recommended Janie Shapiro's book to me. Um, inheritance and so that was um i don't know if we talked much about that in the last episode but that book um is written by danny shapiro who is a memoirist and a writer and has written a lot about like her basically family relationships and that kind of thing and um essentially her story is that she's in her 50s i believe um yeah. and found out and found out in 2016 um via a um, a uh, commercial DNA test that her father was not her biological father. Right. Um, and it's interesting, A, because she's a few decades older than me. B, her father was, had been deceased for a long time. And C, like, there was, was also this very strong component of, like, her religious identity because she mm-hmm. had grown up in the Jewish faith and, you know, people yeah. always comment, commented how she didn't look Jewish and all this kind of stuff. Right. kind of like the you know the you know the uh, the secret hiding in plain sight kind of concept um that kind of like kind of makes all the gears click together when you've actually like seen a picture of your biological parent for the first time which is kind of the same shock that it's that us i think all of us who are donor conceived who have the ability to identify our donors have that kind of moment um but yeah that book talks a lot about um that the her whole experience and like what it feels like to um you know look in your look in the mirror and like kind of have to reassure yourself that you still are who you think you are and but at the same time understanding that like your whole understanding of your sense of self has been completely restructured or torn down slash broken is kind of how it feels so um that book actually in that that moment Uh, you were um because we had said earlier a little bit you had looked at your dad your whole life and thought that you look like him because probably like your parents made this conscious decision to pick um, sperm that was, you know, similar or that you would look similar to your dad. 
Um, yeah. Um, yeah. My donor and my dad are both about like, which is funny because like when I think, and I think, I think we talked about this, but once like I had gotten some information from my donor's wife, like when she describes him, she's like, well, he's, you know, this tall and you know, this color hair and this color eyes I was like, well, that's probably exactly what they circled. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to imagine like in Philadelphia in 1986, like, um, the type of like, firm dinner that they're looking for and so like he there is a lot of similarity between like him and my father or like my sorry my biological father and my my dad um i mean people always thought that i definitely looked like my mom there's a lot of similarities there but it's not 100 percent um and so like i wasn't the only one whose brain was like filling in gaps um to kind of fit the narrative that you are used to or that you you know that you have kind of been telling yourself for however many years and so um so yeah that was it was very it was very strange um but anyway yeah like this book kind of I'm not much of an artist (laughs) nor am I really like a good good writer or anything so it was kind of amazing to read her book because like I would literally just like highlight whole sentences and I was like this woman is reading my mind like this is exactly how I'm feeling like this is exactly like the type of sentiments that like are you know that are starting to affect me now as I was like as I was sharing my story with people because like especially like you know how processing comments about like well you know your dad's still your dad and like well it could be so much worse or like what if you were never born or like those types of things that come yeah. up that kind of are uh unintentionally um not offensive or hurtful necessarily, but they're kind of like, oh, you're not really understanding where I'm coming from, or yeah. like you're having. It's like it would just, you know, you can't really blame somebody. And it's like I think we, I mentioned this before that it almost kind of fits in with like a grief situation where like yeah. you want to say something that's supportive, but you don't really know exactly what to say because you can't put yourself in that place to necessarily feel exactly how that person is feeling. Um, and it's a very specific type of um, situation to be in. Um, and like, as I was, as I kind of grew, like started getting along in therapy, I was like, and I, I would explain to my therapist, I was like, it's for the first time ever. I really felt like other, like, um, you know, cause I grew up like a middle-class white girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like for the first time I felt like a minority, um, like I was, I felt, um, in a way, like a small, like not I don't even say marginalized, but like in this, like I was this, like the small, like outside group of people who didn't get to have both of, like the genes of both of her parents. <laughs> like it felt like really weird. Um, but anyway, I found her book, and I later found her podcast, which is the Family Secret podcast, and that also that really helped a lot because that was like my my other community that really started to help me. And so I was kind of digging into this and a lot of things that I was also digging into, like, I feel like at some point, um, I re, you know, tried to bring the topic up again with my mom. Cause my other, like my, the thing that still bothers me till this day and is a persistent struggle and I'm still kind of working on figuring out how to manage it is like the concept of what to do about my brother. Um, because yeah my parents are really not on board with sharing the information with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm kind of in a situation where it's like, well, now you've made me party to the lie by omission. And I was like, I don't really think that's necessarily fair. <laughs> and nor do I think it's really particularly smart or safe. Cause you know, if you think about it, for example, like my half sister, 
um, the whole reason she did the genetic testing was because her mother-in-law gifted it to her for Christmas. Right, right. So it's like, it, it would be so simple, you know, for my brother, just simply, you know, either get a kit on a whim or a gift or, you know, however else he might come across it as they get cheaper and cheaper to complete. And then, you know, they're going to have, I don't know if that's really going to be a better situation for him to find out on his own. Um, not to mention that I'm kind of, I kind of said to my parents, I was like, you know, your parents are leaving me in a position where if you guys both pass away, I'm going to tell them. And yeah, it's like, yeah. you, it's like, I'm just not going to keep that secret for you. It's been real. I haven't had the gut, not, I don't want to say the guts. I haven't had like the appropriate time or t- space to really bring that topic up again, necessarily. Um, you know, and I'll get to talking about to, to my dad and that kind of thing. But I got to the point where it was, you know, I feel like, you know, anytime they came, the both of the times that I came up with my mother, it was just like tears. Like it was just like, it felt like she had to like, she said something to me, well, you know, it just wasn't going to happen with your father. And I was like, I'm like, I get that. <laughs> I'm not an idiot, but like, and I understand, I'm not saying that you made a wrong decision, but like you guys made a choice. It's kind of like, you have to, you have to sit with the fact that like, you know, the secrecy that was, you know, that you had before the decision that you made is just not viable. Um, in, in current, you know, in 2020, whatever you decided back then. So it's like, and it wasn't, it's kind of like, it's, and it's, and I'm like, I'm trying to get the point across. And I'm like, I'm not trying to like make you feel bad that, you know, that you guys made this decision. And I'm also, and you know, I get think again, part of it is a little bit of like projected shame from, you know, infertility and all of that kind of issues that they dealt with at that point in time. Um, but I'm kind of like, you know, you made the decision to create human beings. Um, and now we are our own separate sentient persons. And, you know, we have, and I'll keep coming back to this one quote, which is that, you know, we have, um, we have the right to know the truth about our, our being and our origins. And so like, um, and so I, and I still feel that way and I don't think that my brother's going to take it well, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be continue to be hidden. And like I said, and I am, uh, yeah, I am not comfortable continuing to be part of the secret. Cause that would only, I feel like that's only gonna, so, uh, some, I think they could only sow problems between he and I, like, as long as I go on knowing without him knowing, um, that if he finds out that I was part of the secret keeping. Do you think, like, did you sort of give her an ultimatum or, or is that something that you're thinking about doing? Or? Um, well, I'm not, I guess it's, it's very, it's kind of complicated in like, because you feel like, okay, well, my DNA is my DNA now and I am who I am, but it's kind of hard to be like, you can't feel like you can like come out about who you really are because you also don't at the same time want to completely just destroy relationships with the people who are either relying on the secret or like are very attached to the secret. So it's like, it feels like, you know, especially since my parents really told no one except for like my mother's best friend and then my stepdad, um, that it, it, I can't, I can't like go, I can't be on like social media and be like, this is my experience. And like, here's my, you know, here's my story. And, um, and spread that around because I have cousins and aunts and uncles who for, you know, the entire time I, myself, and my brother have been alive, have had this story that like, or, you know, the, you know, what they would normally expect, just like I did that, like my mom and my dad are my biological parents and that there was no question about it. But and so, is, it, yeah. 
whose shoulders does that fall on, though, to keep that secret? Like, who's, whose secret well, is uh, Whose secret is it? Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it kind of feels like, like I said, it kind of, and that's the problem is that it kind of makes the whole situation has, and this is part of what I, you know, continue to deal with is that the fact that I feel like I can't come out about who I like, you know, who I am and where I come from is it that it kind of makes me feel like myself as a person, my whole existence is in some way, somehow just still a small, dirty little secret. Um, because it's one of those things that like, there was never, and that's the thing, I haven't brought this up with either of my parents at this point in time about like, you know, well, what if I want to be more open about this? And part of it again, is that like, if I become open about it, there has, that would be a very, um, uh, not a very, uh, how do I say, sorry, (laughs) this is why I'm not a writer. Um, it wouldn't be a very it wouldn't be a very um how do I want to say it I don't think it would be a favorable way or a fair way for my brother to come into that information like I feel like there has to be a a more personal private conversation between us four before there's any type of like here like me coming out I was thinking initially when you said this this narrative sounds and and not to you know in comparing it not to like um, take away from anyone's experience but like it's mm-hmm. similar to the experience or the the narrative around coming out as a person an lgbt person mm-hmm. except that you have this situation with your brother so whereas it seems empowering to sort of take that story and um and say you know forget about my aunts forget about my parents i'm going to come yeah. out and and tell my story and live my life live my truth and then right. feel better on the other end people who are lgbt when they come out aren't necessarily like it's not like you come out and then that also means that your sibling is gay and so you have to think about no. their truth too you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah no but it does it, it, i mean stripped down to the very basics like the concept is similar in this in the fact that like there is something about trying to be truthful to yourself and be and accepting of yourself in front of everyone else that can affect your relationships with other people if you put it down to the bare bones you can really kind of see that connection and like we have my therapist and i have discussed them and i'm like and again i was very careful to be like not just a little bit experience someone who you know especially like it's not like people walk around in like um in our society and you're like oh well i hope they're not donor conceived or like you know other types of like prejudice and hatred that they experience so it's not that type of thing um but it but trying to be out in public about who where you come from and like what makes up like your sense of self um in a way that you know that could very well affect like that like i just don't know like would my parent how like i couldn't imagine like what that would have how my parents would handle that if i just like posted on you know something to be like this happened to me or just like you know just told my family without like any further discussion between them because it seems like that's the way it is i feel like i should and i feel like maybe i'll just segue this because i feel like i should tell the story about how i told my dad yeah, definitely. Because it it did shine some light on the the environment at the time around my conception, um, and so basically, I feel like for a while, like in this, I think this happened probably in um, this must have been in October, sometime in the fall. Um, September, October, because I got to the point where, like I like I said, I've been back in therapy. I've been having. Um, a lot of conversations with my therapist about the fact that like 
Um, you know, the fact that my, my mom knew that I knew my dad knew that I knew. And now I felt this weird guilt that I was again, part of a secret that I didn't want to be a part of anymore. And that like, now my dad doesn't know that I know, but I know, and everybody else does. So here, yeah, I kind of felt to be, I was pretty fucking mad to be honest. Like, um, that it was that situation. Cause it was, there was a lot of tears involved and a lot of, um, internal angst about like what I was supposed to say and like anticipating like how my dad was going to respond and um you know and just kind of feeling really worried about um how that might I guess it was like it was I was really worried about how I was going to change our relationship together because I always like I love my parents very I love my parents so much I have like fantastic parents and I know that not everybody is that lucky um and um so I remember, like, I think even I had been down, I had been home, because I don't live, I, don't, I live about, you know, two and a half hours away or so from where my parents live, though separately, as I mentioned, they're divorced, but, um, and, you know, I was like, my therapist would be like, so, I'm like, no, I couldn't do it. And then I got to the point where I was like, it has to be this weekend, like, I have to do it. And so, and like, I got there, and like, my dad and I went to dinner. And because like our like our usual thing was to like go out to dinner and then like we'd um we'd just like come home, hang out with the dogs, watch a movie together, that kind of thing. And so and I remember I was like I kept on being like, How do I do it? How do I do it? It's kind of like if you've ever like planned to break up with somebody and you're trying to figure out like how how do I jump into this conversation? It's like you're not really sure, like, you know, you kind of have to just like cannonball your way in. And so um and so I remember being on the couch that night and I was like, everything felt like a before and an after. And I remember thinking as we were like sitting together, and I was like, well, I was like, I'll do it tomorrow. I was like, just one more, just like one more night of normal. <laughs> Sorry. And so, um, uh, so the next day I kind of, you know, um, as like we got up and we were like getting around and I'm like I'm drinking coffee and so I'm like okay well you have to like I didn't like steal myself um for the company you know for just trying to like figure out how I was gonna say everything and um it's kind of funny now to get back to it to the moment um sorry because um you know I told that I was like you know, I, and I think, I think the way that I started it out, it's, and it's like, you know, I tell him bits and pieces now, but I was like, you know, dad, I have, I have to tell you something because I think it's important that, you know, you know, mom and stepdad know. And, um, but I, I found out that like, um, that you and mom you just used a sperm donor and he said, what? <laughs> like, he didn't hear me. <laughs> and then I was like, what a comedy that I have to like repeat that sentence again. <laughs> and so I did. And he was like, oh, and he goes, well, how'd that happen? <laughs> so I told him, you know, basically the whole story about, you know, doing the DNA test and finding my half sister and then finding out this information, confronting mom. Um, and, you know, I, I know I should, probably shouldn't have known better. I mean, he wasn't upset at all, but he was kind of like, you know, and they, I, he, I mean, he literally was not upset at all. He was just kind of like, um, you know, he was like, well, uh, when I told him the story, he was like, well, he's like, well, that's really interesting. He's like, well, like, well, you know, what did you learn? And I told him about like, you know, that I got like my medical, you know, family medical history. And from that side, he was like, oh, well, that's really good. And, 
he was like, you know, I, he's like, I, he's, he's like, you know, back then he's like, all I can say is like your mom did, so, you know, she did, so, she was handled it all so well. And she, he just kind of kept kind of going on and on about like the way that my mom handled things and that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, like, I'm not really kind of understanding exactly what that was, but then what, where he got to eventually was that he was like, you know, he's like, I told your mom, like, and I told, you know, when we were talking to the doctor at the time, I was like, you know, we're going to have to, you know, someday we're going to have to figure out how to tell them, you know, to tell the child, you know, our you know children about this. And, you know, the doctor, apparently this was his response was that this is your family. This is your business. No one needs to know it. What? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was apparently the, that was the guidance the environment. Don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. No one needs to know was the guidance that came from the physician. And so, um, which, you know, my dad was kind of like, all right, a a white flag. I guess that's the way it is. And so, um, you know, he kind of was like, you know, and he, and then he, I mean, he kind of, and then at the same time, he still was kind of like, you know, but, you know, this is our family and this is like, you know, we deal with, you know, we handle our stuff and, and our, and so kind of still like, still perpetuating the idea that like, no one needs to know, even though like, even though he said like, I'm glad that I'm glad to know that he's like, I'm glad, you know, at this point in time. And I was like, and, you know, I think I very briefly brought up my brother and he was like, well, you know, that's kind of difficult because he's not really in such a, a good a place. And, you know, he would use that as a, as a weapon against either your mother or I and that kind of thing. And so it kind of got to that point. And so, uh, but it was, it was still kind of, you know, I asked, I think I asked him also about like whether or not anybody else had known that he had known of. And apparently like his brother at one point had, said something to their mother so my paternal grandmother socially (laughs) I don't know my biological paternal grandmother um but uh that it's some again I don't know why where why this came up but he mentioned to me that he that his brother had said something like do you think those are even his kids like accusing them of accusing saying that or making the speculation that I was that we were the children of one of their really close friends and so like apparently then eventually like his my my grandmother had like asked my dad like about that and he was like no they're mine obviously um and so even then there was I don't know I can't tell if it was something and I feel like the time frame that he had mentioned it, like Evan or my brother and I were kind of like, um, like my brother and I were young, like in grade school at the time. And at, for like about half a year, we had actually lived with my uncle and, um, because we were between residences as we were building a new house kind of thing. So I don't know if it was something about like seeing all of us all together, every day that something piques his interest about that um i don't know like in the same way that like when people would meet danny shapiro they'd be like you're jewish like that kind of thing (laughs) i don't know um and so you know it's funny because even then when i think back on it it's like it might have been even when my dad was confronted like that in a way who knows by his mom that it was still very like nope of course not like you know it's kind of one of those things that if you tell yourself something over time that it just becomes the truth Mm -hmm. and so um and I feel 
but yeah, I mean, that conversation, I mean, obviously went a lot better than I could have imagined, but it was, and I, I still feel like, but at the moment it kind of feel like I felt like everything changed. And so I told, um, you know, I just said, man, I was like, you know, like, I, I still love you and it doesn't change the way that I feel about you. And he looked at me, he said, of course not, I'm your daddy. And, um, so, you know, it's, uh, and that's kind of where it all came, you know, came about that, like, I'm still kind of the position I'm in because I haven't, in all honesty, I haven't had any honest discussions with either of my parents about this concept or this topic. And since that point in time, and if you can imagine, like, every, you know, I had already passed, like, my first father's day knowing the truth. And, um, I had passed, you know, and I knew I was coming up with my first holiday season, you know, getting ready to spend time with all my family and, uh, everything. Like I remember even at Christmas, like being with my family and looking around the room and being like, I wonder if anybody's ever suspected. Like, it's like that weird thing about having a secret, um, among those that you, you think that you're close to. So, um, and then here it is, so, and here I am now. So I've been, you know, I got through my world boards, got through the holidays. And so, um, again, life marches on, you're still working every day and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to kind of get my thoughts together about exactly how I feel about, you know, talking more to my parents about the concept now that, like, hopefully people can kind of hope that they both can get past that sense of sadness or fear about, you know, the whole concept, especially my mom and, you know, trying to have like a really real conversation about like what we're going to do about my brother. Cause it's just like, it's still, it still hangs over me. Like when I think about it, it really, it makes me feel um, guilty for real. It's very intense. So um, the thing that strikes me, so much about that story about what you were just saying especially as someone who's like very close to her father also you know Mm -hmm. is your fear um Mm -hmm. about how this was going to hurt him and yeah in like you know like this is all coming from a place you can hear it in your voice of you wanting to protect him yeah um, I mean, and this is like, again, like me, you know, I go back to Danny Shapiro a lot because like I said, a lot of the things really resonated with me, but you know, she's telling this story and she was like, I was afraid that I was going to hurt my dead father, my dead dad's feelings. Yeah. And it was like, even she still had that sensation that like, you know, coming, coming forward about this thing that was somehow going to be hurtful Which to even his memory. It's just so funny because like you know, like you're worried about hurting someone you love so much who you already know knows the secret. Yeah, exactly. It was very, yes, exactly. And that's the thing is like, my therapist was like, well, you know, he already knows. I was like, well, he doesn't know that I know. Like it's going to be upset, but like I did, I waited this long or like, you know what I mean? Like there were so many things. It was just, it was, it felt, and this is part of the thing that like, you know, when we talk about, you know, our patients who, explore you know donor egg and sperm and these types of things that like I just I really want I really just wish that they I want them to have a plan it's the same thing as like if you're going to adopt a child like there has to be a plan in place for like what's going to happen like when this person becomes of age 
to like try to understand like their background and especially like in in 2020 you know there's just not these types of you can't keep these types of these specific type of secrets like it's just way too easy like with familial being like you know what i mean and as i said before like the golden state killer didn't fit into a tube it was like his third cousin and they found him you know what i'm saying like you can figure things out. And the same thing with Danny Shapiro. It was a relative of her biological father, not her biological father himself, or even like a half sibling that, that created the connection for them. So, um, but the main point is surprising to me when people say, Oh, I'm not going to do 23 and me, or I'm not going to do a DNA test because then they'll, you know, they'll know too much about me. And I'm like, well, are you going to prevent your entire family from doing it? Because do you understand how genetics work? And I don't think that they do. Um, yeah, but it's it was kind of one of those things that, like, I somehow became a victim of my own guilt against my will. It was like, or as a result of something that I did not do wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just simply existing. And this is, again, that kind of, that, that uh, fed into that sense of, like, feeling like a dirty little secret um, in just being who I was and and so you know what I mean I was like this was a decision that was not made by me this was made for me to make me and when you know what I mean and honestly I'm thankful I've had a good life I'm not like I'm not having an issue with like you know being in existence and you know the more I you know as I've been through therapy like I have a greater appreciation for the you know um, not so simple as the nature versus nurture argument, but that I, that who I am and my accomplishments and like my personality and the things that people like about me are a result of a very unique com- combination of parenthood from my mom, my dad, and my biological father. Like, and that's, but it's taken me a while to get there. Um, and so I think, and part of that I think is because of how much backtracking I've had to do in like terms of understanding my sense of self i feel like i think that it would have been at least a little bit easier to digest if it had been something that you know a conversation that my parents and i had been having for a longer time um maybe you've been thinking about this a little bit how do you wish it had gone down i feel like i mean my mom was kind of like oh i think and i mentioned this before too that you know when you i'm going to tell you when you graduated high school i'm going to tell you them this thing um, you know, I don't think that it would have been a very easy conversation, but I think it definitely could have been something that could have happened, you know, as a teenager or, you know, I mean, somewhere around that time, I think is appropriate. Like when, especially like you start <laughs> to, to, you know what I mean, to develop as like you're coming into adulthood. And I think that that would have probably been a better time. There's no good time. I don't think necessarily everyone could argue about that but um I think there was something in particular for me especially that like I found it felt really quite jarring to find out in my third decade of life (laughs) um I just feel like I wish that there had been a little bit more transparency but it's one of those things again it's like I don't think that it was a malicious thing on on behalf of my parents I think again that they like as my mom said she's like well we just raised you and we kind of forgot like it literally just became part of, you know, something that was pushed down. And then like the way that we were living life became the new truth. And, um, you know, I don't think that they ever saw a reason to, you know, go against the doctor's recommendation ever. That's fascinating to me too, because you, 
you hear that story, not just in um, assisted reproduction, but like in all elements of medicine about how sort of do as the doctor says and um, keep everything a secret, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. I yeah. guess it's just the changing times, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is very different, but it is also very special too. like, uh, you know, our world of reproductive medicine is like, it's like, <laughs> this isn't like, you know, take this medication or don't do this chemotherapy or, um, do this surgery. Don't, don't tell your loved one, this is what's happening to them. That kind of thing. It's like a very different type of thing because it's perpetual. Like I, you know what I mean? It goes, it's, this is a decision that's going to go forward, you know, generations. Um, and you know, I, hmm? what would you tell your children? (laughs) Good question. Um, I don't have any children. So it's not, I guess, how do I say that? Yeah, that's but an assumption. I, I, I should say, if you, if you want children, if you had children. <laughs> yeah, true. I, 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 I'm like, I like both and flat, but yeah. I feel like pretty, pretty sure probably yes. Um, I think a lot of the like, people decided to not have children because of this in the community that you're finding. They might, that might exist. Um, and, and, and there's very different types of experiences among those who are donor conceived too, because there are donors, there are people who find out they're donor conceived or grow up knowing they're donor conceived who never find their donors. Um, there are people who know they're donor conceived, they find their donor and then either get like kind of shut out from their donor or they don't get any type of response. Um, and then there are people who are donor conceived who find their donors and then they actually just establish like real relationships with them. And so there's like all different types of ways in which that experience can go. Um, and I think that and Dana Shapiro talks about telling her son in her book. And I think she does a really good job of it. And I think it also kind of has that, like that sense of that hyped up sense of fear of the conversation and like people's response. And really it's kind of like it goes way easier than she anticipates. Um, I feel like part of that would be shaped by the way that, or the way that that would, go down would probably be shaped by weather i hope um and the um extent to which my children know my dad um you know because if they get to be with him hopefully we'll see <laughs> this is like this is another thing for me it's like as I get older, I'm like, Oh, when, <laughs> if ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so, uh, but yeah, I feel like if they had a, if my children had a relationship with my dad, that conversation would be a little bit different and less sterile than it would just simply be to like, if they were trying, let's say if, like I had a child and they were like trying to do a family tree and they'd be like, well, like what about, you know, granddad, like paternal granddad, I'd be like, well, this is actually our, my truth. And so that's the way to go, you know, and who knows, like, by the time, like, our children are adults, what kind of technology is going to be out there, what kind of connectivity is going to be out there, because look how much things have changed just simply from the advent of the internet and these commercial DNA kits in the span of 25 years. It's insane. So, yeah. It's funny, yeah. I feel like I maybe everyone's like this too. I feel like since the advent of all this, we can all sort of count on our hands and you more because you're in this community now, but like even before Mm -hmm. that, we can count on our hands more than one person probably who has run into a situation like this. Like, you know, of someone or, you know, of someone who knows of someone who has found out that their 
or their paternity or maternity, some kind of <laughs> element of their relationship is different from what they thought, or they've got another sibling. Well, potentially dinner. And yeah, actually, I like I told you, my therapist likes to cut out news articles for me. And one of them that she gave me, and she says, when I, she's like, the day I told my son about the donor egg, and she told her eight year old son about it as they basically, and part of the conversation came as a result of them like seeing like a cow giving birth on the side of the road, which is so funny because that definitely happened to me more than once as a child. Like, grew up in, like really rural area my, my mom would literally pull over me look I'm trying to tend the baby I'm like whoa uh, and that's how like the conversation came up between her and her like child and he she was he, like and it was funny because the kid was like so I'm adopted like not quite <laughs> but then eventually like piecing it together um and so but yeah it's true it's like it's so common now that I feel like I hear a lot of stories and even like ones that you told me about people who even found like lost siblings like a hundred percent or like or not like that but like half siblings that were like you know from a different time in their parents life where there wasn't like it was not assisted reproductive technology but more like relationships that and like I said at first when I found this information I was like my dad is in trouble (laughs) it's funny Um, that we always assume that right like we assume that it must be that someone was you know unfaithful Yeah, but because in that way, it would still feel like my dad was still my dad. I think that was part of the denial issue, too. You know what I mean? At least in that scenario, my dad was still my dad, my biological father. Um, But yeah, it's in it's very I'm trying to like, I feel like I had something else I wanted to mention. But, you know, I have I keep on I was curious about when we were had these conversations about whether or not you would have any discussions with someone who was in the REI profession at this point in time to see exactly what type of counseling is done. And, you know, I even, you know, in this day and age, like, is it one of those things that like they as a community are aware of like this, this building? I I almost want to, not like a movement necessarily, but there is a change in the society in this term, this way of knowledge. And, you know, the fact that like, you know, commercial DNA testing, familial DNA, the internet, um, in which that, you know, are they telling don't are they really still telling donors that they can that this is like an anonymous thing that they can do? And what are they telling like parents about? Um, you know, the type of conversations like I pray to God that they're not telling like the doctors who spoke to my parents are not saying things that they did back then. But I'm very, very, very curious to see about like what type of counseling is offered to them and like what type of guidance is offered to them in terms of like thinking past the point of conception, pregnancy, and childbirth. Well, it's funny, like, it's like, obviously, like, very ethically written. But one of the things that I that I fear and that I worry about is that with medicine, we get so subspecialized and so hunkered down in like what we're doing. And so mm-hmm. constrained for time. Um, yes, that oh, yeah. I could very easily see a situation where maybe some, you know, organization has like a, you know, a, an opinion about this and some guidance about how you should counsel people. But at the end of the day, the person or the doctor doing the art, the IVF doesn't have enough time to actually sit down and do that part and just thinks, Oh, well, you know, I gave them a reference for a therapist. They should, they should think of through this, you know, entirely. And that, and that's sort of, that's not my area, you know, like that's, that's not for me to discuss with them. You know, I, I've been, I, and I talk about these things. I'm like, well, maybe I'll do this. Cause like I have, I do have, you know, colleagues to whom I refer patients that I feel like I'm like, would I be comfortable enough to just be like, hi, can we have a conversation about this? Like with like, do I, or do I not divulge like the reason why I have this particular interest? Like, um, 
that kind of thing. But, you know, again, like I sent you a picture like very, very recently from a, a local um, REI group where they were advertising to women and it was like become an anonymous egg, egg donor for, you know, up to $10,000 a cycle. And I was really disheartened by that, to be honest, because I was like, I was like, obviously the, the marketing, the, the clinical practice has not caught up to this issue because like the fact that they could they would just literally write that like it's anonymous it's like you can't guarantee that like i i literally can tell you hands down you cannot guarantee anonymity to anybody based on the current situation um and well, so and it's just if you um if they so either like they know that right like they are the masters of this they know that but i think that if you take that word out if you take that out of the marketing or if you acknowledge it in any way mm -hmm. Who's yeah. going to apply to do it? Like $10,000 is not, I mean, maybe it is, but it, for some people, but it's, it's not enough for a lot of people, um, for their privacy, you know, like, would you, right. would you exchange $10,000 for privacy for the rest of your life? Right. And I had, I mean, and I might've mentioned this before too, but I had like a, a like a med school, school classmate who was like donating eggs. And I remember thinking, I was like, well, that money sounds good, but like, I don't want my progeny walking out and about around the world. And then like, little did I know I was talking about my fucking self. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, um, it's very, yeah, it's complicated, but, and I wonder if it's going to be like, you know, and I don't, you've probably seen plenty of this too, where I now have like, I recently delivered a patient not recently. This is time delayed. You know how it is. <laughs> um, I had a patient not too long ago who um, IVF, her husband's sperm, sister's egg. So then I'm like, okay, you know, if you can identify exactly who you want your egg to come from or who exactly who you're going to have your sperm come from, I feel like it's a tad bit easier for people who are in same-sex couples because they know they already are going to have to have some assistance <laughs> in that regard um, because they can't each be part of that gamete you know, combination but um that being said I was like so like how are you gonna break it to this kid that his aunt is his biological mother at some point like that is a fact and like I didn't I didn't say that I mean I wonder if they even how much they talked so about that concept. interesting you bring that up because when I was in journalism school that was what my master's thesis was on egg donation between siblings Shut up, really. Yes, no, yeah. for real. And I, um, what I'll share is that I interviewed so, and this is back in 2008. So this seems like not that long ago, but it was so. That's a while, actually. It was Over so difficult to um, get people to talk because the secrecy element was so such an issue, intense, so uh -huh. intense and such an issue. Now it's it's hilarious because like 23 and me, you know. But yeah. I remember there was this one couple. Um, couple sisters that I spoke with and um you know they knew I was a journalist they knew I was they were talking to a journalist that you know like whatever off the record or I mean on the record they knew this and um through the process of the interview the person who um had given her eggs like the younger sister um, <laughs> their relationship had become so strained in just talking about this even though they had legal um, contracts in place, uh, you know, to even across the spheres, whatever, that they um, stopped talking to me and, and were so angry that they threatened, they threatened me. They threatened that, that if I didn't take their information out and just pretend that I had never talked to them, that they were going to contact um, my medical school because I had done this in the middle of medical school. 
and you know allege all of these awful things about me not being ethical so they tried to blackmail they tried to blackmail me essentially which is like first of all like i'm in a journalist space right now i'm not your medical student or i'm not your you know student doctor <laughs> like what what the hell exactly um and yeah. you know we were talking to a journalist like this is these are the rules and so i remember having this big discussion with my advisor at the time who was like she didn't understand like ethics right she, or the medical ethics yeah. part of it she only understood journalistic ethics which was that yeah you should publish the story like this mm-hmm. is you did everything right and they have no grounds to stand on but it was this weird yeah. space i was in where it was like um where medical ethics and, and journalistic ethics cross and i eventually yeah. I, just, I chose not to include any of their information um because yeah. I, you know, like the doctor part of me will always went out, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it was just like, like, what the hell? Like, like it's, it's very contentious. Um, even, right. even across family members and even when there's legal, uh, boundaries in place. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's very complicated and it's like, um, you know, and you know, as much as like being, you know, a pro-choice physician also is that um, if you speak a lot about reproductive justice, it goes in two ways. It's also about like, you know, the right to have a family. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's really hard to to cast shame or um, judgment among people who decide to do this for themselves. And it's not, and that's not my goal at all, but it is to a point where, you know, all of our decisions have consequences and so and i and they have and especially when it comes to creating a person that like i really wish that like people i really want my wishes for people and for physicians also who are guiding these processes to have that in their mind about you know doing these types of things because and and it's just like everyone has a different type of experience especially like when i started getting more into this community about learning about people who knew from very early age about the truth of their conception and i was like Wow, that's just so different from what the, my experience was like. And, um, and I have, you know, one of my, one of my more recent doctor stories, actually, this is one of the things where like, you know, a lot of days we have a really difficult job and sometimes patients are really difficult, but I had a moment not too long ago where I had a patient who was coming in to see me for the first time for an annual exam. And I overheard her speaking to my MA and she was like, because she was just reviewing her family history with her and she was like well you know i just found out that my dad's not my biological father and i'm like my ears perked up and i was like oh my god and i was like but as she's telling this you know she kind of mentioned like you know i don't know now about like what the medic my family medical history on that side this type of thing and i had that moment where like you know in the midst of like my busy office day that i was like this is like this is like such a specific situation for me as a physician, as a gender conceived physician, where like I can, I'm going to be able to provide a, like a very specific type of help to the patient. And like, so I, I like literally went in there and like, I, I, you know, I kind of, you know, do my usual spiel and I'm like, you know, I overheard this conversation. I was like, so tell me what happened. And she gave me the story and I was like, you know, I just really want you to know that this is becoming more and more common and you're very much not alone. And, um, you know, I'd like to give you some resources today to, you know, to help you feel, to help you kind of identify, um, a little bit more of the people, other people who are in this community. And, um, and that was kind of like my, my little, like, that's like my little silver lining is that like, 
I, I now, without my experience, wouldn't necessarily have the ability to help that person in that way. That's huge. Yeah. So that, that did make me, they gave me the, the feel goods <laughs> on many days when, as a doctor, when you don't necessarily get that feeling. You kind of already said what you wish other people would know, but if it, I mean, just for the average person listening, who's like not a doctor, mm-hmm. what's the one thing you wish that people knew about this or would think differently about this? Um, I guess, um, you know, that's, it's hard to say. I feel like, I think it's just important to be aware of this I don't want to say phenomenon, but of the fact that like these types of secrets are coming out for a lot of people and that, um, you know, I think now maybe 23 me does a little disclaimer, but I honestly don't think I even would have read it or cared to rob it because like I said, I was, I was on a mission to catch a murderer. And so like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to help, um, which you might you want still. to share. You might well, if you want to, yeah, there is a way to do that too, though. If people have already submitted their DNA, you can opt in. To allow, you know, basically law enforcement access to that information. So if you want to, we can, I can give you some more information about that. But, um, but, you know, my, you know, I want to, you know, I feel like it's important to understand that, like, it's not that the decision, like our relationships to other people and, you know, the concept of, you know, submitting your DNA and that kind of thing is not really something to take flippantly and it's kind of the same idea i think that was usually previously a stronger discussion among people who were testing for things like BRCA and um other you know like uh genetic mutations and hereditary diseases and the same thing with like huntington's which is like awful but you know what i mean but it's kind of like there is a concept about making a personal decision about how much truth you want to know. And then even if like you not are not in that particular situation where you come across information that you did not necessarily know about yourself, but that being open and understanding that like other people might be having these type of revelations about themselves and their families and, and family secrets in general. And so um, I think it's just kind of having an awareness and trying to reduce judgment and, um, and, uh, and again, you know, just really kind of, uh, having an awareness that like, you know, life continues much farther on beyond conception and that, um, you know, both a person's upbringing and their biological being um, really do contribute heavily to how someone sees it and understands themselves and their place in the world. You say that you're not a good writer and you're not putting this into, you know, succinct thought, but you really have. <laughs> Thanks. Well, like I said, I've had a lot of (laughs) So I hope that helps. No, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Well, like as I, this has been, uh, this is, this has been very helpful to me too. (laughs) So. If you've liked this episode of The V Word, please visit us at www.vwordpod.com and listen, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at vwordpod. This podcast was written and produced by the V Word team, Dr. Jennifer Conti, Dr. Erica Cahill, and Bethany Bonilla. Thanks for listening.